You listen to podcasts from behind. Big news for the Iowa football team so last night. Star linebacker Jay Higgins and Patrick Patrick returned for his sixth there? season. Higgins has totaled 155 tackles this season. Short week for the struggling Chiefs as they get ready to host the Bengals on Sunday. Chiefs have lost three games in a row at Arrowhead Stadium. Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud is returning to practice. He's hoping to play Sunday after missing the last two games with a concussion. I'm Doug Thompson. <laughs> From the Jethro's Barbecue Studio, with amazing slow-smoked wings and world-famous baby back ribs, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Hour number two on a Wednesday, Trent kind of back with you. It's 106.3 KXNO. Ken will be back with us tomorrow as he has made his way to California We'll have plenty on his Denver Broncos in the news today. Russell Wilson out as the starter in Denver. Joining us right now, speaking of the AFC West, he is Mitch Holtis. Mitch, appreciate the time. As always, it's been certainly a tumultuous one. And then the news in Denver today, boy, that is a crazy one. But in the end, it's all about money, right? Well, it is. But, I mean, what's the cap head on that if they move on from him? So uh, we figured that out. Yeah, I was reading through the report a little bit earlier. If basically they designate him for a post June one release, it will be a hit of thirty five million dollars for twenty twenty four. But then going forward, there won't be a cap hit, so it'll be impactful for twenty twenty four, but a lot more flexibility than afterwards. But thirty five million, <laughs> I mean, that, you're talking ten percent would be like two. I mean, you're talking uh, almost twenty percent of your cap will be dead. That means you're going to have to cut guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's just a matter of Sean Payton, and th- this tells you all about your uh, sideline yelling after uh, the game a couple weeks ago that he's just like, we're cutting bait and moving on and take the cap hit at 24. So, yeah, that's... Yeah. Okay. But we got yeah, we got our own issues here. So well, we're trying to figure it out. Yeah, Mitch. I mean, that's where I was going to go. Misery loves company, right? And trying to figure out this Kansas City team. As frustrating as a Christmas as you've ever had, Mitch Holtis? Uh, frustrating game on Christmas as I've ever had. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, I just, there's several things I think going on here. One is this team is trying to power through uh, a couple different things and trying to get some rhythm offensively, trying to power through injuries like everybody is in December. But it's a very real thing where now they're going to play a fifth straight opponent that has extra days to prepare for them. I mean, the Raiders had 11 days to prepare for that game. And so I heard the report of three straight losses at, at Arrowhead Stadium. Well, one of those is the Eagles game, right, where yeah. Velda Scaling drops the uh, touchdown that's going to win the game. And then the other two, uh, two weeks and 11 days to prepare and in December. That's just a lot to overcome. So it sounds like an excuse. It's not. It's really kind of an analytic but still, this team, this Chiefs team, has got to figure out a way. Uh, and it's just rough to lose a game where you don't allow a completion for three quarters and lose an NFL game. We could live two lives and not see that again. And it uh, looks like the reality of a sixth straight AFC championship game is uh, going to be very difficult for that to happen in Arrowhead unless there's maybe some upsets along the way. Well, it's still an opportunity to win well, this division. Truthfully, truthfully the, 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 the focus, if we're going to... I mean, to try to the focus is really on the next 96 hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could have all kinds of discussion, and, and yes, there's global discussions of not you know trying to host a sixth straight AFC champ, but 
It's really about Cincinnati mm-hmm. and a chance that the Chiefs can win this division for an eighth consecutive year uh, and break the 15-15-15 tie that we talked about last week. That's all still in play. You get a do-over. It's almost like match play in golf. You triple bogeyed the last hole, uh, but you still have a chance you know, to basically win the match at least for the AFC West, if you can win this week. So anything, any discussion beyond the next 96 hours, I think becomes a moot point if you're inside the fort for the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey talked uh, a little bit on his podcast about the frustrations that we saw on the sideline during the game and Reed trying to fire him up and, and get him in the game. I don't think there's any doubt at 34. Maybe he's lost a quarter step. That's going to happen to anybody that's taken the pounding that he has in a tight end in this league. But they try to get him involved early on. It just There's just not a whole lot of juice there. Is it the inability outside of Rasheed Rice, the wide receivers getting separation? Is it scheme? Is it game plan? Is it that loss half step for Travis Kelsey? What's going wrong right now with the all-pro tight end? I think it's uh, we're seeing a lot of things here. One is the fact that he has played... 10,000, almost 11,000 hard snaps. He has played along with the rest of this team, the bulk of this team, or at least the core of this team. They've played seven seasons in six. Mm. They've had 14 playoff games, you know, deep runs, three Super Bowls. Uh, you mentioned all the AFC championship games. That just adds up on a 34 year old tight end body. And I think we're seeing the effect of that. Um, but then, even again, they're, they're trying to line him up for an easy play, and he drops the first play of the game where they've got a sprint out action, they flood it, he's going to get seven yards. So it's just a matter, too, of Trav basically going through what I said in the first paragraph of power throughing either a minor injury or powering through fatigue or powering through the fact that you played seven years in, in six seasons, basically, and just try to figure out a way. But when they get some design things to him early, then he, he's got to come through and make those plays. The other part of this trend is he's getting tons of attention, right? He's getting held and bit and pinched and pulled, and that will increase your frustration, especially if you're trying to power through it at 34 years old. So I would say it's all of the above because um, teams are giving him a lot of attention saying, who else is going to beat you? And until someone else steps up, Rushy Rice being one mm-hmm. uh, or somebody else, then – they're going to continue to give Kelsey just you know double teams. Let's take our inner Bill Belichick here. We're on to Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a team that has given you guys fits. Now, that guy on the other side uh, wearing the quarterback uh, helmet, he is not going to be there in Joe Burrow. Browning has been good at times, really good at times, a little bit inconsistent, as you'd anticipate from a first-time starter. But when you look at this Cincinnati team, a team that has one in Arrowhead, you know this one's not going to be easy. No, in the regular season, since Patrick Mahomes became QB1, and that's basically at the same time as Burrow, uh, the Chiefs, we played them a lot. And we beat them, we clubbed them in 18, and then they beat us twice in Cincinnati in the regular season. And then in the playoffs, it's it's 1-1. One one. Uh, but pressure's been a big part of it. The, the uh, Bengals have sacked the Chiefs and Mahomes 11 times in those seven games. So that's kind of the first point of the matter. But the Bengals have done a good job of compensating for Burrow. I mean, Jake Browning's an interesting story. 23 transactions cut, uh, re-signed, practice squad, elevated, practice squad, cut. The Vikings cut him three different times. He's had 23 transactions and only been with two teams. That's odd. Uh, But it also tells you that they kind of want to hang, hey, Jake, we're going to cut you, but 
but you know, don't, don't move. Right. Just stay in the apartment because we'll put you back. But I mean, his first four games now completion percentage was the best of any quarterback since 1950 wow. in his first four starts in completion percentage. And they have weapons. T. Higgins, I don't know if Chase will go or not. Uh, if he does or doesn't, they still have enough weapons to win this game with guys like T. Higgins and then Joe Mixon's had a big year. What's perplexing, Trent, about Cincinnati is they're not running the ball at all. They're, they're throwing the ball more than any team in the NFL this season, even with, with Browning. Um, and Mixon, who's a good runner, he's got almost 900 yards, has the most yards of any NFL running back without a 100-yard rushing game. Only Washington has passed it more than Cincinnati. So with Burrow out, Browning in, it really hasn't changed much for them. They're going to toss it all over the parking lot. No buy this year with it. If they get this win, clinch the division, depending on obviously what happens throughout the league. Is there a real possibility that we see a lot of guys sitting out that Week 18 game against the Chargers? It uh, depends. You want to get as high a seat as you can. I think no, as it's, if, if, if there's no way to move the needle. Uh, and again, we're, we're violating my postulate here of going past <laughs> the 96 hours, yeah. right? But, but you've got a show to do, so I, I get it. But when you're thinking inside the fort, that Charger game doesn't even exist. Like the Bengals game is the only game that's ever existed. Uh, and you have to approach it with a lot of, of intensity. But it depends. If the needle can be moved and the Chiefs have to win that game to preserve the third slot, we know they're not going to get one or two, then no, you'll see the varsity out there. If the Chiefs are locked into, let's say, to the three slot and cannot move, Andy Reid has shown everybody in 11 years what he does, and he'll set guys out. Because why? Why have him play uh, in a game where you're going to be the three seed no matter what? So we're not there yet. we got to beat the Bengals. We want to win this division for an eighth consecutive time and to break that 15-15-15-15 division tie. That's what's on the agenda, first and foremost. Mitch, it's a very difficult time. Christmas, busy, running all over the place, calling football games. There's a whole lot going on for a whole lot of different people, and sometimes cooking dinner just doesn't sound like a very good idea. What do you got for the people out there as they're making their dinner plans, or even their lunch plans right now? Well, lunch, dinner, football, bowl games, big, huge NFL games this week, New Year's Eve parties, New Year's Day recovery. Papa John's Pizza is all about that. In fact, it's a great recovery piece. People don't know that. The secret sauce that the Donaldsons put in their Papa John's Pizza will help you get over whatever you had going on New Year's Eve. Uh, so uh, give them a call, the Shacaroni. It's got all that pepperoni that Ken can't handle, uh, but you can check it out. I was going to say this too quickly. I know you're up against it. Yeah. I reason I was late today, I spoke at the funeral of Ed Buddy. Oh, wow. Um, who's, yeah, the 69 Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also part of the, six, the two Super Bowls, and uh, he makes the key block on 65 toss power trap. Iowa, Iowa State, Northern Iowa, Drake, all the high schools. I say this, I'll say it again. Show me a good team with a bad offensive line. Let me know, because it'll be the first one. Ed Buddy was phenomenal. If he does not make the block on 65 toss power trap against the Vikings in Super Bowl four, there is no 65 toss power trap. Go back and find it on YouTube, everybody, and just look at it, and you'll know why Ed Buddy was special and way underrated and should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But anyway, just spoke at his funeral, along with Jan Stenerud and Willie Lanier and Bobby Bell. Uh, but uh, just a, just an amazing man and an amazing player. 
Ed Buddy. I love that you brought that up. We uh, had a Chiefs fan that called in last week that was talking a little bit about it, obviously, before my time, and, and glad that you were able to do that, obviously, pay respect to him, and a guy that I know Chiefs fans here I'll remember very, very well some of the old-timers out there, and a big part of that cog is some really good Chiefs teams. Appreciate that, Mitch. Yeah, but I was surrounded yesterday by 20s and 30-somethings I work with every day, and I showed him 65 toss by a trap, and I said, long after I'm gone, somebody needs to tell this story. We play fantasy football. We fall in love with offense and receivers and running backs and quarterbacks, but we don't give near enough attention to discuss offensive linemen. And so even though it's boring, it's necessary because nothing happens without them, and the Chiefs will need them this week to win against the Bengals. No doubt about it. Appreciate the time as always, Mitch. Thanks, Trent. Mitch Holt is joining us, brought to you by Papa John's of Iowa, each and every Wednesday here as we make our way through the NFL season and continuing into January. Lock it up, lock up the division, and maybe lock up a spot in the playoffs with the number three seed that could be clinched with it. Nothing to play for in Week 18. Joining us right now from the Liberty Bowl, he is Bill Seal, CycloneReport.com. Bill? Appreciate the time, as always. A busy one, I know, for you. And just got done talking with John Haycock. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, how are you doing, Trent? Doing well. Uh, first things first, I know a lot of people are making their way down to Memphis right now. Uh, we talked earlier with Sean Roberts, Roberts and Justin Miller, who are making the drive. And they said basically every stop that they've made is just full of Cyclone fans. How about here? What have you seen down there on Beale Street and early on? A lot of Cardinal and Gold out there already? They're starting to filter in. Uh, we we got in uh, we got in last night about six or seven, and I think we beat the rush <laughs> because uh, kind of the reports we're getting right now it's starting to uh, starting to fill up. So uh, it's a good thing we got a a media dinner tonight. So I'm, I'm not going to have to wait uh, you know an hour or two to to eat somewhere. <laughs> Understandable, yeah. There's going to be a lot of people yeah. out and about here this evening, and, and going to be a lot of fun. Leading up to the bowl game, Friday afternoon, 2.30 kickoff. So uh, let's start with the conversation that you just had. What did Coach Haycock have to say? And anything new that came out of the press conference? Well, just, uh, you know, kind of a scouting report, I think, of Memphis and and kind of what to expect there. Um, You know, certainly I think the Tigers' uh, calling card has been the offensive side. And really with a, a head coach like Ryan Silverfield, that's not a surprise. He was... He was the OC down here for the Tigers when Iowa State played in 2017 and kind of has, has, uh, well, he's taken over, I think, his uh, fourth season now and and certainly the Tigers clicking on all cylinders offensively. Uh, You know, as far as Iowa State goes, TJ Tampa opting out. That news came out this morning. So uh, the the back end, it's going to be interesting. Will we see Malik Verdon uh, this week, the the safety, or are we going to get – uh, a freshman, uh, former walk-on, Drew Sergis again. So that's secondary, though. They, they've kind of been plagued with injuries this season, especially at safety. So against a team like Memphis, it's it's certainly going to be a challenge. Iowa State going to need to get some pass rush, I think, uh, to uh, maybe disrupt that a little bit. You know, uh, I read a quote earlier uh, during the press conference just talking about this group, a very young group. There's some veterans on this defense, but overall, and one thing that Haycock uh, mentioned is just the togetherness. And it became a bit of a punchline when Matt Campbell brought up, you know, the most together team and those kind of things. But there is something to be said. The culture that is built in this football organization coming off the tumult of this summer and being at this point winning seven games this season, you have to have a good culture in order to pull that off. 
Yeah, certainly, and it, it would have been it would have been pretty easy, I think, for things to just have have gone haywire in the off season, and and you know four and eight uh, turn into three and nine or two and ten, and and you, you've got a, a you know a young team coming back, but uh, I, things have have gone the other way, and it's just it's kind of amazing, really, the parallels between. Uh, this team that's playing in the Liberty Bowl and the 2017 team that was playing in the Liberty Bowl. You had a, a kind of a young nucleus with that team, but you also had some of that veteran leadership that that uh, Matt talks a lot about. And then that's certainly the, the case on the defensive side as well. You've got uh, uh, Gary Vaughn, who has, has really stepped up and kind of been a stalwart there. This is small senior class, though. Uh, not too many starters that, on at, you know that are upperclassmen. It's a lot of young guys. So those uh, those few seniors that they had kind of had to step up and lead the way, and that's a, exactly what happened. And it's laid a foundation. I think 2017 that team they beat Memphis down on its home field, and then the next year it's the Alamo Bowl. A couple seasons after that, it's the Fiesta Bowl. So it kind of feels like that is going on with this program right now with such a young nucleus and, and things certainly trending upward. And, and who knows, you know, the playoff thing's going to look a little different with 12 teams getting in now. So who knows what the, the ceiling is for Iowa State and the kind of the second upward trend under Matt Campbell. Not a huge surprise, but the news from today that TJ Tampa has opted out of the Liberty Bowl. I uh, saw the report first from Randy Peterson of the Des Moines Register. Not a surprise. I think a lot of people anticipated this was going to come and get the news at least a couple days before as opposed to you know the day of the game. Certainly good for everybody just to kind of know where they are and even the fan base knowing Tampa's not going to be out there one final time. Yeah, that's true. They've got a little clarity there. I think... Uh... Uh, Matt had, had kind of hinted at that earlier on as they kicked off bowl practices in his presser. He, he kind of said it was a similar deal maybe as what they were looking at with Brees as far as, as uh, you know, draft uh, potential and where he could go and how this could probably play out like it did with Brees. And it, it certainly did that. And you look uh, that same season, uh, Mike Rose was another one. He's kind of was nursing an injury but was cleared for that game and then opted to sit out. So there's been some guys through the years, and then it kind of changes uh, the, the, the look of that defense on the back end. Uh, but they, if they can stay healthy in this game, I think that they're in per, still in pretty good shape. Uh, Miles Purchase was probably one of the top DBs down the stretch this season, had a great final game against Kansas State and, and uh, physical tackling uh, corner. And then John Tez Williams. Williams was one who actually had started a game earlier in the season and has, has kind of that next man up there at corner. So between those two, if they can stay healthy, I think they're in, in good shape. And we certainly saw at, uh, at safety this season, they played a lot of guys there. So even if Malik Verdon uh, doesn't go in this one, I still feel pretty good kind of what we, we saw out of some of those freshmen and, and sophomores this season. I definitely built up some good depth there. Bill, we'll let you go on this. Uh, we talked a little bit about Memphis, but overall, Iowa State is a big favorite in this game. I've seen it touch 10 a couple of places before the buyback happened, back down to 9.5, nine, nine a couple of spots out there. What concerns you most about this Memphis team? Well, I think certainly it's a, it's an offensive uh, group, uh, really, with it just uh, – they they can beat you any number any number of of ways. Uh, Hennigan, the quarterback, a three year starter, a veteran there, 
they've got a, a pretty deep group of, of wide receivers, really the two two guys there, and then even uh, Watson. Gosh, he the, the running back, mm-hmm. he, he reminds you a lot of those Iowa State backs through the years. He was their third leading uh, receiver, caught, I believe, 50 passes. So he's a guy, you know, every now and then this Iowa State defense can kind of be prone to the, those backs not coming out and, and catching some passes and moving the chains. He's he's going to be one to watch there, but they can beat you so many uh, different ways, and, and they're going to be playing on their home field. Uh, I think it was about a 55-45% split maybe in Memphis's favor the last time, and this has a feeling maybe it might be a little bit more Memphis's this way, but certainly going to be a nice Iowa State contingent. So I think the offense of Memphis is probably the biggest thing to, to fear in this one, and then and then having a little bigger uh, home crowd to their advantage than the uh, one and seventeen. Fifty-seven and a half is a total. You telling me a shootout here, Bill Seals? You know I like to uh, dabble just a little <laughs> bit in the gambling space, right? You know, it, it, it's going to be close, I, I think. I, I actually, when I got in last night, I went through and kind of started knocking out that game preview for uh-huh. later in the week. It's going to be a busy couple days down here, so I wanted to work ahead a little bit. And I could see this one touching that. Uh, I think it was 57 and a half when I, when I uh, went through it last night. I, I could see it maybe going over. Um, I, I've got Iowa State winning by a couple scores in this one, but it probably – you know, maybe somewhere in the 33 to 20, uh, 33, 23. Well, that's right <laughs> I there. Math in this profession, <laughs> Trent, but uh, yeah. I think somewhere maybe in that, uh, may, maybe in that 34 to 24 range, somewhere in there, maybe hit the over by a point or two. Entertaining. That's uh, what we're looking yeah. for, right? And I think we got a chance exactly. for that one. Hey, Bill, enjoy Memphis. Enjoy all the festivities down there. Get yourself a good meal. And we'll talk again next week. Appreciate it. Will do. So thanks for having me, Trent. Happy New Year. Same to you. That's Bill Seals, CycloneReport.com. Part of the Rivals Network does a great job. His preview will be up there and a whole lot more. Uh, speaking of that betting line, it has moved and continues. There's some 11s now popping. The Superbook out in Vegas has an 11. Offshore, a bookmaker. Iowa State favored by 11. A lot of 10 and a halfs out there now. Uh, saw some buy back yesterday, but not the case. If you're looking at that over, the best price you're going to get right now 57. That is at Circa if you're looking to play the over in Iowa State and Memphis. Quick time out. We continue the conversation with David Kaplan. It's a Wednesday tradition here on Miller and Con, and we talk Bears, we talk Bulls, we talk Cubs, whatever else is going on in the world of Chicago. That's coming up next as we continue. Miller and Condon on 106.3. It's straighttalk.com. Tutty's Tavern at 6240 Mill Civic Parkway in West Des Moines is now open and under new ownership. Featuring 50 beers on tap with a huge local selection. Tutty's Tavern is the upscale sports bar you've been looking for. With great steaks, lobster tails, sandwiches, burgers, and an oyster bar with oysters five different ways. Score a touchdown at Tutty's Tavern. 6240 Mill Civic Parkway in West Des Moines, under 24. that music blues brothers sweet home chicago and that means david kaplan joins us as he does each and every wednesday throughout the course of the year it's presented by centurion stone of iowa and he joins us here today cappy appreciate the time as always merry christmas happy new year hope everything's going well in your holiday season how are things in chi town 
Everything is good. It's ready to rock and roll. Two weeks left in the Bears' regular season, and then we'll find out if there's a lot of uh, change coming to Hallis Hall or not. Black Monday, always uh, a big day in the NFL. What's going to happen? There's some surprises that are happening that happen seemingly every single year. Certainly no surprises around the corner for the Bears. Is there any chance that Eberflus comes back, gets another year? Oh, is there a chance? Certainly. Players like playing for this guy now. Mm. But do I think that's the best thing for the Chicago Bears? I do not. I think they've got to change the coaching staff, and I think they've got to change the quarterback. So will they do it? That remains to be seen. I'm a betting man. I think you have Caleb Williams at quarterback, and you have a new coaching staff developing. Makes a whole lot of sense, and obviously to go that direction. But one thing that has to be said, and the credit has to be given to Eberflus, this team stayed together, and the defense made immense improvements after he took over the play-calling duty. That's the one thing that I keep getting excited about the future. Cap, I think you've uh, learned throughout the years, I'm not exactly the most optimistic fan. I'm an optimistic guy in my real life, but as it pertains to the teams I root for, it's difficult. I'm excited about the future of this Bears organization and where they can go and, and what they can be something I haven't said a whole lot, certainly in my 20 years on the airwaves. Yeah, I think they're headed in the right direction. I'm a huge Ryan Poles guy. I am. I think Ryan has taken the roster to a much different place than it was when he got here, and then he tore it down, and that's where we sit today going trending back in the right direction because their defense still needs another edge rusher. They still need another probably good body in the middle, and then you got to figure out what you're doing at free safety because I think – they're probably, unless he takes a pay cut, that could change. I think you're probably looking at the last two games of the Eddie Jackson era in Chicago because his cap hit next year is $18 million and $14 million cap savings if you release him. So can they make that happen uh, and get him to take less money? He's a good player. He's not always healthy and not always available. I think there's a chance they could move like Terrell Smith to the safety spot or draft a safety to develop one, I just would be surprised if Cody Whitehair, he makes 14, and if you had the savings, you're going to, I think it's a $10 million savings if you release Whitehair, and a $14 million savings on Eddie Jackson, that allows you to pay Jalen Johnson whatever you have to pay him. And now you look at their defensive backfield, you've got Tyreek Stevenson and Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker and Jalen Johnson and Terrell Smith and whoever they draft this year, that's as good as it gets in the National Football League. Uh, No doubt about it, and something to certainly build around. Are you, like me, still lamenting that Cleveland game? It's not even the Hail Mary for me. It's just letting that game slip away because still there was going to be a ton of work. But, boy, just going into these final two games with some kind of optimism for the playoffs, getting in, look, they're not going to do anything. They probably get pummeled in the first round. I don't know. That game, for whatever reason, it's still sticking with me and frustrating me. Oh, and I think you're right to be frustrated by it because that's a game they should have won. They also shouldn't have blown the first game to Detroit. They should have won that game. But if we're going to play that game, hey, they should have won this game. They should have won the Denver game. Okay, well, they very easily could have lost the Carolina game who missed a long field goal. Now, granted, it was a long field goal, but you know that would have tied the game, and they had opportunities where they just didn't quite punch it in. So that's one game they could have lost. 
they very easily could have lost the Minnesota game where they kicked the field goal at the end to win. So I'm from the Bill Parcells school. You are what your record says you are, and that's what they are. They're 6-9. and nine. Yeah, and anybody in the NFL. I mean, you can play this game with all 32 teams, right? You go through the schedule. Oh, if this would have right. went this way. You, you can do that with everybody, and I'm with you. I get in this argument all the time with, with some of my buddies that are friends of different teams. Every single team can play that game, and you're exactly right. You mentioned Caleb Williams. There's going to be things that are going to be picked apart. There's going to be little things that are going to be dissected. That's just the way the reality is in the long lead-up to the April NFL draft here. When you look at this kid, star potential, I mean, that's what you're looking for. Do you see that? Do you see this guy that not only can be a good quarterback, be a competent quarterback, something that's been a struggle for Chicago to find, but can be a top-five type quarterback in this league? Yeah, top-five look. When he comes into the league, he's going to have to deal with several years of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert with a new coach who might be better suited to get the most out of that team because there's talent there, uh, and we could keep going. There's a bunch of really good quarterbacks in the league. Top five? Yeah, that's what you would hope. I certainly think he comes in and has a chance to be a top-ten quarterback by year two or three, for sure. That's, you know, everyone I trust, like Rick Spielman, who's been a GM of two different NFL teams, he's the best I've seen. He said him and Andrew Luckett being ready to come in and play right away. They, he truly believes he's the best prospect that he's seen since John Elway. That's a big statement. Oh, absolutely. Hey, is there anything more? I had uh, somebody ask me over Christmas about the stadium front. What's happening there? What's the latest, if anything? They just keep you know, talking to different municipalities. I still think they're going to end up in Arlington Heights. I do. Mm. I don't think Arlington Heights is stupid enough to let this you know, get off their radar screen. They want the Bears there. They're just trying to extract as much money as they can from a tax basis. And the problem right now is, they want the Bears to start paying at the level that they would be paying at or close to it when the stadium is done. And the Bears are going, wait a minute. There's no revenue coming in for several years till we build the stadium. We'll pay you something fair. They're not looking to get this for nothing. But you can't ask us to pay a stupid amount when we have no revenue in Arlington Heights because there's nothing there. So do I think it gets worked out? I do because the city keeps saying we want to try and keep them where is this city going to come up with the money? And I still think even if they did, our city's in a bad place right now. Crime is up and just everything with the economy, I think it'd be silly for the Bears to stay in Chicago. Let's go to the United Center where all of a sudden the Bulls have won some games and a realistic possibility of this suddenly being a playoff team, at least at minimum, a team that can get into the play-in. Yet, there's moves to be made what we've seen from Kobe White uh, here lately has been absolutely outstanding. You're excited about that. What would you rather see, knowing the future? Make a push at minimum, be a play-in team to get into the bracket that way, or trade off some pieces and start a rebuild once again? Uh, I would rather see them trade Zach Levine mm-hmm. and then figure out what they can get back and how they can move forward with this team. I do not think... You should tear it all the way down and say it's a full rebuild. I don't see that. I mean, it's still, they still have some pieces signed in there. And they've got Kobe White already locked up, and they've got Io DeSumo already locked up. 
So I don't think they would go full-scale rebuild. That would actually surprise me. And I don't think management would be cool with that. I just think you've got to move on from Zach Levine. You've got to change the vibe in that room. He's a good guy. He's just not a winning ball player for this franchise. Talking with David Kaplan as we take a look around Chicago sports. Cappy, let's jump over to the Cubs before we let you go. This is the quiet time seemingly every single year. There's that lull between Christmas and New Year, and the hot stove will heat up again once we get into January. What's the latest buzz on the Cubs and what they're still working for and looking to do here this offseason? I still think they're looking to do a lot. They're not anywhere close to being ready to go for the upcoming 2024 season. Nobody is. I mean, we've seen Otani. We've seen a few guys sign Yamamoto. But we have not seen a ton of movement yet in terms of getting rosters close to being finalized. The Cubs haven't done anything, haven't Mm -hmm. spent any money. I still think Cody Bellinger is going to end up a Cub. I do. I just think Jet Hoyer's saying he's coming in at a reasonable price. I don't care what you're telling us, Scott Boris. He wants to be a Cub. That's great. We'd love to have him back, but he's not going to get $250-300 million from the Cubs. That's, I think, how the Cubs look at it. I don't know if that's how Boris looks at it, but I think it will get done. Always difficult when you're working with Scott Boris. Never difficult working with David Kaplan. Cappy, as always, appreciate the time. We'll talk again next week. Happy New Year, Sparkles, to you and all your great listeners. <laughs> Thank you, David Kaplan, joining us each and every Wednesday here on Miller & Condon. Always a fun one uh, with Cappy, and always really enjoy what we talk about with him every single time. Our conversations are brought to you by Centurion Stone of Iowa, the Midwest's largest Centurion Stone dealer, manufactured stone, natural stone patterns, give you the authentic look for your home. You can visit the showroom 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines or give them a call 515-727-5998. Centurion Stone of Iowa, thank you for their sponsorship of our weekly conversations with David Kaplan. When we come back, I got picks. We handed out more winners yesterday. We will try to do it again. We got bowl games and we're going right back to the well. One o'clock kickoff. I got a thought for you on that one and more as we wrap things up. My picks presented by Circa Sports next on 106.3 Q by Pfizer. Last summer, my house was hit with hail. Between assessing damage on the roof and dealing with insurance, it can be a stressful situation. Luckily for me, it wasn't stressful because I called my friends with Wolf Roofing. We were able to get a new roof on our family home in one day. It looked sharp, everything was cleaned up, and now we have peace of mind with our new roof. Set up your next roofing project with Wolf Roofing at 515 225 8866. Or you can go online at wolfroofing.net. Back to Miller and Condon on KXNO and Trent's Pick of the Day, presented by Circus Sports Iowa. Songs that I wouldn't play with Ken around. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. My picks of the day here momentarily. Birthday boy Ken Miller. Make sure to reach out on him. Uh, to on Twitter, because that's the only place you're going to find him is on Twitter. No Instagram, no Facebook, nothing like that. Not going to find him here in the studio. He'll be back with us tomorrow. But reach out. Wish the old man a happy 65th birthday to Ken Miller uh, here today. And he'll be back with us on the airwaves tomorrow starting at 11. Let's get into it here. We got a game kicking off in just moments. Virginia Tech is now a huge favorite. Tulane has opt-outs. They have coaches leaving. Willie Fritz is out of there. Their quarterback's not going to play. Top receivers all over the place. Yet it was a big number. Double digits for Vatek. 
Couldn't go there. So instead, this is what I did. Virginia Tech money line coupled with Okie State money line. Put both those together at Circa. You get a little bit better than even money, plus 103 there. So that's what I did. Vodtech and Oklahoma State on a money line parlay. I'm playing Oklahoma State alone, minus a three and a half tonight against Texas A&M. Speaking of opt-outs, they are all over the place. Mike Gundy, very good in bowl games. We're going to jump aboard with the Cowboys. Sticking in the Big 12, give me West Virginia. They're laying six against this afternoon. North Carolina, no Drake May on that one. And we wrap it up. College Hoops is back with two games. We found one we're going to fire at. Give me the Cougars. Chicago State. They're getting 11 tonight against Cal Baptist. I I don't know. Chicago State. Muddy Line Parlay, Vodtech, and Okie State. Okie State alone minus a three and a half in West Virginia. A lot of favorites. Makes me nervous. That'll do it for today. Back with you tomorrow at 11. Murph and Andy coming your way next, followed by The Drive at 3 o'clock here on KXNO.